So I'm going to continue this morning. We're going to begin a series in the book of Matthew, as Matthew just said. And we've entitled it, Not of This World. And the focus is going to be contrasting the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, this present age in which we are living and looking at the challenges that we face as believers living in the world today in light of the truth of the kingdom. And so I'm taking a couple of weeks and talking about just the subject of the kingdom of God itself. I began last week and I was all prepared to continue this morning in the vein that I began and didn't finish last week. And in the middle of the night, as I go to on Saturday nights when I go to bed and I'm teaching the next day, as most of you guys do, I know who teach or women who teach as well, you're thinking about it the night before what you're going to be doing the next day. And I went to bed prayerfully thinking about it. And I woke up in the middle of the night and the Lord completely changed what I was going to teach. And uh, so and he, he began to, I felt like the Spirit of God began to just give me very simply a direction for this morning. And so that's the direction I'm going to go. And I also had a very vivid dream last night. And um, I was sitting in a room with a bunch of leaders, church leaders, and I was listening and they were talking and they were, listen- they were all discussing various things. And uh, finally, one at the very end, one of them said, what do you think, Rick? And I just felt the Lord in, the, in this dream come upon me and say, the church needs to speak to the culture today prophetically. That we need to have a voice that is not being heard anywhere else. And I was challenging the leaders that I was speaking to to begin to have that voice. And that really is what this theme of this teaching is, is, is that we must have a voice. Dee's been teaching on Sunday morning on the book of Revelation and, and the witness, the, the, the theme of the book of Revelation is the witness of the church, that the church would endure and persevere until the end and be faithful to its call to be a true witness, of the true witness. Not just that we, it's not so much as he said this morning how we live, it's, it's whom we are speaking of, that Jesus is the true witness. So this morning, my, my teaching is going to be very simply entitled, Ten Truths About the Kingdom of God. It's not quite ready yet, obviously. Are you ready back there, Seth, or no, huh? Okay, never mind then. You can write this down. You don't need to see it on a slide. The first truth is simply this. I'm going to give you 10 truths, and I'm going to talk about them, and they're not profound, and they are very profound, but they're nothing new for many of you. The first truth is this. You must be born again to see the kingdom. In John chapter 3, verse 3, and I'm not going to have time to turn to each text, so I'm going to give you the reference. You can turn to them yourself, look them up. I'm speaking to a, a priest, a very le- a high leader in the Jewish faith, when Jesus was beginning his ministry, who came to him in the middle of the night, asking him questions. Jesus said to him, you will not understand. He said, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, you will not understand. You will not be able to see the truth of the kingdom unless you are born again. So very beginning, I must say this to all of us. 
is that what we are going to be speaking of in the next few weeks and possibly months as we go through the book of Matthew cannot be known or understood unless God makes it known to us. It is not something you can learn, discover, figure out in any way of yourself. The only way you will understand the truth of the kingdom, and I'll talk more about this in a minute, is that God must make it known. And it comes about through being born again. In other words, the kingdom is entered through faith by grace. It's by the grace of God, through faith alone, that we enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. You must be regenerate to understand the kingdom. The second truth is very simply this. The kingdom of God is a mystery. That's why it's so hard to understand at times. That's why it's so hard to explain at times. And it's a mystery for various reasons. In Mark chapter 4, verse 11, and in Matthew 13, when Jesus is explaining to them why he speaks in parables, he says, I'm speaking to you because it's been, it's been made known to you the secrets of the kingdom, or the word is their mysterion, the, the mysteries of the kingdom. The mystery of the kingdom has been made known to you. So it is a mystery, and it's a mystery because it's, it is fulfilled without being consummated. That's strange. It's come, but it is not here yet in its fullness. There's mystery in this. It is mystery because it is what is right in an upside-down world. It is the right way up. And the world we live in is upside-down due to sin. It is mystery because it is hidden from human reason. It's hidden from human reason. Jesus hid certain things at certain times from certain people. And that's one of the reasons he spoke in parables, because he did not want those who were not to see to see. That seems unfair. But there are those to whom God decides and chooses to make things known. And as I said a moment ago, you will not enter the kingdom unless you are born again. It's a mystery because it's hidden from human reason. And it's a mystery because it must be revealed to those for whom it was intended and only to those for whom it was intended. I remember before I was a believer, Kath was starting to pursue the Lord and hunger for the Lord right after we had gotten married. We got married. We were not believers when we got married. My life was in a mess. She was hungry for something. She was tired of what I was, basically how I was living to a great degree. And she began to seek God. I, I used to ask her questions all the time, and she couldn't answer them. And then she tried to answer them. I didn't understand anyway because it was hidden from me until the time when I could see. And then as soon as I could see, 
when I was born again, I understood it all. Are you with me? I didn't understand it perfectly, but it all made sense. It's a mystery because it's hidden, and it can only be revealed, and it will only be revealed to those for whom it was intended. Are you still working back there, Seth? It's up. Are you doing it for me? Obviously you are. Thank you. See how much I'm smiling again today? (laughs) The third truth is this. So you must be born again to see it. It is a mystery. And thirdly, the kingdom of God is not of this world. Look at Galatians 1.4 with me, please. Galatians 1.4. Starting in verse 3, Paul writes, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This age, and I talked about this last week, is called the present evil age by Paul because the world's history is under the power and the dominion of sin. It is under Satan's dominion. This world system in which we live is under the power of Satan's activity due to man's sin. And this is what blows my mind, and this is what I feel like. And as I was praying about this, I've been praying about this for weeks, thinking about these truths, the, the fact that the age to come, that an eternal age that has not yet been fully revealed to us in its entirety has already come into this age in the person of Jesus Christ. That another age, another eon of time has come into this age, into this eon of time. And the language of the New Testament is that it's invaded this age powerfully and radically and dramatically. But the kingdom that we will be looking at through the book of Matthew, the kingdom that you are now a part of, that you've been born into, by faith in Christ, is not of this present age. It's from another age. An age that is eternal. Under the authority and the realm of a holy and perfect God. And the the, the truth of the New Testament is that Christ entered this world with the life, with the life of another age. The age to come. Does that give you, it gives me goosebumps. And I've said this before, that Satan knew what was happening when Jesus came. And that's why the very first accounts we have of Jesus' ministry in the synagogues that he would go into, the demons would cry out, what have we to do with you? Has our time come already? They knew that the age to come, that this eternal age had come into this present evil age to make it right, to bring the life of God 
to bring hope for men, salvation. And so we who are now followers of Christ have that age's life force at work within us. We who are followers of Christ have that, li- that age's life force at work within us. It's radical. The kingdom of God is not of this world. Everything in this world is in opposition to it, but I'm getting ahead of myself. The fourth truth of the kingdom is that through faith in Christ, we have been delivered from this present evil age and transferred into the kingdom of God's Son. Look at Colossians 1 with me, please. Very familiar text. I know you know it, but let's read it together anyway. Colossians 1, verse 13. Through faith in Christ, we have been delivered from this present evil age and transferred into the kingdom of God's Son. Paul writes in Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the domain. Listen to the words, the domain, the authority, the realm, the, the kingdom, if you would, of darkness. He has delivered us from the kingdom, the domain of darkness, and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we now have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we have been taken out of one and put in another. This uh, this week, Kath and I just took a very quick jaunt down to Southern California to see our daughter Kara down there in the middle of the week. And on the way down there, I just listened to the book of Matthew as we were driving. And I heard something I'd never heard before. And it was out of Matthew, I believe it's chapter 12, when Jesus is asked about paying taxes by the Pharisees. And I never heard this or thought I've seen this before. His answer, was, as he asked the question to Peter, he said, he said, to whom do the sons of the kingdom, he said, who pays taxes, the sons of the kingdom or others? And Peter said, well, the sons of the kingdom don't pay, other people have to pay. And Jesus' answer was, that's right, he says, because the sons of the kingdom are free. And I never read that or heard that. I never thought of that. The sons of the kingdom are free. And then he said, but go pay taxes anyway. Take this and pay for you and for me. But remember that this is the greater truth, he said to Simon Peter. The sons of the kingdom are free. In other words, that the kingdom of darkness has no authority over us. Yes, we submit to the laws as citizens of our nation, which we must, but a higher authority is now my authority. I am free. Taxes are unimportant in the scheme of things. I pay them, but I'm a free man. I'm indebted to no one. Amen. And I heard that as I was driving, and I just stopped, and I just, wait a minute. That's interesting. His answer is always so profound, so enlightening, so full of truth. Yes, the sons of the kingdom are free. We have been taken from one 
kingdom and put into another. And the one that we are in is that of God's, and we are free. Man, it is really cold in here. It's cold. People are freezing. I know it's to keep them awake, but that's... (laughs) The next truth is this, that these two kingdoms are still in conflict until the return of Christ. These two kingdoms are still in conflict until the return of Christ. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12, please. Revelation chapter 12. Verse 7. Now war arose in heaven, and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And that happened at the cross. And they have conquered him. Listen, have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Because that he knows that the time is short. These two kingdoms are in great conflict until the consummation of the age, until the Lord Jesus returns. And so we know that it is true to say the kingdom has come, but it is yet to come. But in, and until it comes, there will be trial and tribulation for Christ followers on the earth in this present evil age. It's increasing even now on the face of the earth. Christians undergoing persecution. The laws in America are changing. I was just talking to my daughter in Southern California about what they're teaching now in the schools, and she's in a really conservative part of California, if there is such a thing. And the school there is apologizing because they have to teach what has been handed down now by the Department of Education for all public schools in California having to do with all of this, the gender and homosexual, all of the stuff that they're teaching now to children and to young, young people. It's no longer, you can't even take your kids out of the class without penalty. And other laws that are changing in our nation that we know are taking away the rights of those who believe something different from what the spirit of the age is saying is true, where their voices are being 
squelched increasingly so that we would not speak, but we must speak. This age is under the power of the spirit of the air, and it is governed by the sons of disobedience. Can I read that again? This age is under the power of the spirit of the air, Paul calls it. And it is governed by the sons of disobedience. Satan's hatred for Christ and for his people is as intense as it could possibly be. If he could, he would destroy us all. But God would not allow it. But he will kill as many as he can. Sounding dramatic? This is what the Word of God is teaching us. Why is why we must persevere, and we must endure, and we must prepare, and we must see things as they really are, and not be deceived. Though Satan is still allowed to roam the earth like a roaring lion, looking for those he can devour, this world is under God's sovereign rule and authority, and Christ is king of both the heavens and the earth. Say that with me. Christ is king of both the heavens and the earth. Yet Satan is still roaming and roaring like a lion, seeking those whom he may devour. Because of this conflict, suffering will be the way of followers of Christ. Because of this conflict, suffering is the norm for those that are followers of Christ. Because it is the way of the cross. And the cross is the way that God has purposed that we would be set apart unto him. And the way that we would be sanctified. Suffering is the way of the cross. And the way of the cross is the way of the Christian in this world. Not a popular message, but it's the truth. Amen. The next truth is this, that the effect of God's kingdom is like leaven in this world, though. It's like leaven in this world. And the Lord Jesus speaks of this in Matthew 13. He says, the kingdom of God is like leaven that a woman puts into a lump of dough and it eventually will permeate, will that go through that whole lump and affect that whole lump. That's what the kingdom is like in the world. Though we are in conflict, the kingdom is like leaven, he says. And how is it like leaven? It's, it's unseen. It's often uh, hardly perceptible at all. And if it is, it's despised. And marginalized, but it is at work. But most often it is not seen. But its effects are powerful because it is the life force of another age. The kingdom of God is like leaven in this world because the life force of another age has come into this world in the person of Christ and now by the Spirit of God indwells those of us who are followers of Christ. 
And so our lives are used by God as leaven in this evil, present evil age. And the kingdom of God is destined in human history to permeate all of human society, not to Christianize it, but to affect it until Christ returns. Until the world is transformed by this process of gradual penetration and inner permeation. So we live our lives in the midst of this fallen, evil generation. And we don't watch Game of Thrones, do we? And we don't give our hearts to the things of the world and love the ways of the world. And we stand apart from the world. And we speak the truth when the opportunity is there, when we prophesy in love to a lost and dying world. And thus leaven is at work, affecting lives, affecting families, affecting neighborhoods, affecting cities, affecting prisons and nations. Healing and deliverance, and reconciliation and true justice, salvation and eternal life are the fruit of the work of this leaven. And they're the fruit of the lives of Christ followers whom other people will encounter as they live their lives in faith in Christ in the midst of this evil generation. It's hardly perceptible, Jesus said. He said it's small like a mustard seed as it begins in its insignificance. But it has the life force to change the world, which it will when he returns. Because it is the life force of the age to come. I've said that three times now. The kingdom of God is the life force of the age to come. And the gradualness of the process was unheard of by the Jews at the time that Jesus came, but he reiterated it again and again. The gradualness of the process, they did not understand. They wanted something dramatic to happen right now. But what Jesus came and brought, he said, was not the way of the world. My kingdom, he said to, to Pilate, is not of this world. Therefore, you cannot understand it. You will not understand it. You cannot see it unless you are born again. But it has its effect like leaven. No one would have guessed that Jesus and that small band of disciples had anything to do with the future glorious kingdom of Israel. <coughs> These ragamuffin, ragtag fishermen, and tax collectors, tax collectors and, and radical political people, zealots, would never have imagined to have had anything to do with the future glorious kingdom to come. But that was the work of the mystery of the kingdom as leaven even. This is the mystery. The new truth, Jesus said, about the kingdom of God 
The next truth is this. That those who are sons of the kingdom often live in the midst of the world unseen. Those who are sons of the kingdom often live in the midst of this world unseen. And it's, that's the, that is a characteristic, again, of leaven, that Jesus affirms that in the midst of this present age, while society continues with its intermixture of good and bad, before the coming of the Son of Man and the glorious manifestation of the final beauty of the kingdom of God, the powers of the future age have already entered into this world to create sons of the kingdom that live now in the midst of this world. Those who enjoy its power and its blessings. So I said that a moment ago when I was reading and listening to the Matthew text. We are free. We're sons of the kingdom. We live in freedom in the midst of this world. That is a powerful witness. What I'm wanting us to do, I'm wanting and we're praying will happen as we teach through this book, as we talk about these truths, is that we're going to see the contrast between the world and us. You guys, I can't tell you how much I pray for the church in America, the church in California, the church in Sacramento, for our church to take a stand for righteousness, to rise up out of compromise. I speak to my own heart. It's time. The kingdom has come, but society is not uprooted. That's not the point of the kingdom, to uproot society. This is the mystery of the kingdom. The kingdom has come into human history but in such a way that in many times society isn't even disrupted. The leaven is at work, but society continues to go on. But the children of the kingdom have received God's reign and they've entered into its blessing in the midst of the darkness. The light has come. And we must continue to live in this age intermingled with the wicked in a mixed society until the coming of Christ. And that's the parable of the wheat and the tares that we'll look at in Matthew 13 as well. That they live together, right next to each other. The kingdom is present but hidden in this world and it yet will be one day manifest in its full glory. The next truth is this. J the B came preaching repentance. I have to cut my sermon down a little bit. J the B came preaching repentance because the kingdom was near. He came preaching repentance because the kingdom was at hand. Jesus then preached the good news of the kingdom. Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise that was made to David that he would have a son who would sit on his throne forever. Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise made to King David that he would have a son who would sit on his throne, who would reign forever. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. 
and the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant that God made with King David. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant that God made with King David. The prophets foretold of this coming kingdom, but Israel did not understand its future glory, its complete glory, its total glory. They saw it as a national glory. They could not understand it as what it was to be. I've got some great texts that I'd like to read to you, but time is running short. Ezekiel 37, 24 and 25. Daniel 2:44. Let me read Daniel 2:44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it itself will endure forever. The prophets prophesying this coming kingdom. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, Micah says, But as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Prophesying this coming king. Zephaniah 3, we won't read it. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice, O greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a donkey. Prophesying this coming king that Israel had been waiting for in answer to the promise to David that one day there would be one in his lineage it would come and rule forever. It was Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and yet Israel missed him. They missed him. But John the Baptist said, prepare yourselves. The kingdom is coming. Jesus then came and began to preach the good news of that kingdom that had come. And the Jews missed it. They could not hear it. Even John himself missed it to a degree, was confused in jail, wondering because it wasn't playing out the way that he thought it should. But we know that it was speaking of what we have entered into by faith in Christ and what will come one day when the Lord Jesus returns. But the kingdom has come and is here now. And you are benefactors and citizens of that kingdom if you are in Christ. And it is in opposition to the world. Truth number nine. Paul understood that entrance into this kingdom was through faith in the work of Christ. Let me say that again. Paul understood that entrance into the kingdom was through faith in the work of Jesus Christ. This was Paul's gospel, that the good news of the kingdom that Christ had preached was experienced now through faith in that Christ and in his finished work. You see, I've been thinking for a while about the, Paul's gospel and Jesus' gospel. 
Jesus came preaching a gospel of the kingdom. Paul came preaching the gospel of the cross. I've been thinking for a while, how do they work together? Are they the same or are they different? The answer is yes, they are different. But Paul realized and understood by revelation that the kingdom that Jesus preached was entered through faith in Christ himself. His gospel was to believe in the work of Christ that you might enter the kingdom that Jesus had come to inaugurate. Paul's gospel was the entrance into Jesus' gospel. Are you with me? We have to grasp this truth because we're not just calling people to believe in Jesus. We are calling them to enter the kingdom of God by faith in Jesus Christ and to then live in the kingdom of God, to embrace its lifestyle, to embrace its ethics, to embrace its value system that are in opposition to the kingdom of this world. It is not easy to be a follower of Christ. It's the way of the cross. It's a way that demands endurance and perseverance. It's why the book of Revelation was written. To encourage the church throughout church history to endure. Because Christ has triumphed and he is victorious. But while we are on the earth, we are in conflict. Brothers and sisters, that's why it's hard. That's why our brother today, Mario, in his humility, confessed that too often he gives into his flesh and not walk by faith. We all do. We're being pressed upon continually by the spirit of the age to take our hearts away from what's most important. Amen. And as we preach and as we disciple other people, we must teach them the ways of the kingdom. Not just how to be good Christians. Not just to be church people. Yuck. But to be kingdom people. Men and women of the kingdom. But how can we disciple them unless we ourselves are? Unless we ourselves understand what that means. We are not of this world as Christ followers. That's the theme of the book of Matthew that we're going to be looking at. We are not of this world. You are oddballs. You are. And you know it because you feel like it. Because if you're a Christ follower, you are not in step with the world. You're leaven. You're a light in darkness that's offensive. You're truth speakers in the midst of lies. And as long as we're in this world, we have to be prophetic voices, brothers and sisters. We have to speak of the truth and the power of another age of an eternal age that's already come into this world and it will come in its fulfillment and glory one day. And the last and the tenth truth is this, and there's more, but this is 
makes it easy to tend. This kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the midst of this world's system. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit in the midst of this world's system, in this world's age. It is not eating and drinking. Not that those are bad things. What's the point that Paul wrote in in Romans chapter 14 that it is not eating and drinking? He's simply saying this, this world cannot satisfy. This world cannot nourish. This world cannot give us what our hearts long for. The righteousness and peace and joy from the Spirit of God or from another age. It is not eating and drinking. It is not vacationing. It is not buying. It is not accumulating. All those things can never deeply satisfy, though we somehow think they will. Because the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom that is not of this age. And it begins within the heart of man first. And then when it has taken root, as the parable of the sower speaks to, as we will see in Matthew 13 as well, when that kingdom has taken root in a heart, it bears fruit in the world in which it is found. So we live as light in the midst of darkness, as truth-tellers in the midst of lies, as givers of hope to those without hope. The church points the way to the narrow gate and to the narrow path that must be entered and walked in by faith. This is not a church growth message I'm giving today, you guys. That's probably one reason our church is the size it is. I've been preaching this stuff for 25 years. People don't want to hear it. I'm being frank. They want to hear how to have a better life. We don't have time to play games. We have to speak truth. We do. Jesus Christ is the morning star, the bright and morning star. And as we follow him and we call others to walk with us, they will, we tell them they will find life in this world in the midst of its chaos and pain. We point them to the morning star and to his ways. Amen. Amen.